So Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, this is where uh, we'll begin tonight. And um, a lot of times my uh, when I preach a message, it's a little bit different. Instead of staying in one uh, text and staying right there in that spot and working our way down through the verses, uh, this is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be kind of a word study tonight. Um, we're going to look at two words and kind of run all over our, our Bibles this evening. And um, that's mostly to make sure that you stay awake. If I stop hearing pages turn, I know I've lost you and I'll just wrap it up, alright? Uh, but um, I'm going to read one verse here. And again, we're looking at two words and kind of a thought this evening. And I'll explain a little bit and then we'll pray and, and move on. But Romans chapter 8, if you're there, uh, look at verse 31 with me. Paul's writing on about how we're more than conquerors, and then he gets down to uh, verse 31. He says, What shall we then say to these things, the things he's written about? And he says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Aren't you glad if God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, I want to talk to you tonight about those two, the two words there. It says in verse 31, If God be, and I want to talk to you about for us tonight. Uh, I studied out those words, and I want, this is already number one, so don't worry. Uh, but we're going to go to 14 other scriptures tonight, and if I just spend 10 minutes on each one, we'll be out in two and a half hours, alright? So bear with me. I'm kidding, I won't be that long. But I want to run through tonight several things, just looking at those two words that the Bible says God has done for us, amen. I promise you, stick with me, I'll bring a final uh, challenge tonight uh, on, the, on these thoughts. Uh, but before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for just the time we're able to have tonight. Lord, I just thank you for uh, your word. Lord, I thank you for the kickoff of this missions conference. I pray, uh, Lord, that you would be in everything that is said and done throughout this entire week. Lord, help us all to have open ears and open hearts uh, for the truth of your word and what it is that you'd have for us, Lord, that you'd give each and every one of us exactly uh, what you intend uh, to have for us in our lives, that we take it and apply it to our lives to shape and mold us more into your image, to draw us closer to Thee. And Lord, even convict us where we need, uh, Lord, some conviction in our lives. Lord, I pray tonight personally, Lord, I, I need Your help. Lord, I pray that You would, uh, Lord, keep me out of the way, Lord, and just allow Your Holy Spirit to work in and through me. That I'd simply just be Your mouthpiece here this evening. Lord, we pray that in everything that's said and done, You'd get the honor and the glory, Lord, and Lord, I pray that if there's anyone, Lord, I, I don't know everybody's heart, but Lord, if there's ever anyone here uh, throughout this week that does not know you as their Savior, may the gospel go loud and clear, Lord, that they may realize that your Holy Spirit would work on their heart and in their life and reveal to them their need for you as their Savior. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these things. In Christ's name, amen. And that was point number one already, but I want to talk to you again. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's look at what the Bible says, how God is for us. I'll go with me first to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I just want to say, most a lot of times it seems like when I'm in a conference, I somehow get to be the last preacher. So all the pressure is on, but this time I'm the first preacher. So if I totally bomb tonight, it's okay, man. we got better preachers after me. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the last two verses here, verse 39 and verse 40, and I'll just wait a minute, I still hear you turn in your Bibles, praise the Lord. Verse 39, it says, 
And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, there's those two words, for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we, we know it as the hall of faith. Amen. The Old Testament saints that looked forward to the future of, of the promise of the Messiah of Christ and, and His death, burial, and resurrection. And it says there in verse 39, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. That promise was the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Amen. What Jesus Christ came to do. Verse 4, he said, God having provided some better thing for us. That's the finished work of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, amen, uh, that, that they without us should not be made perfect. That, that would be complete. Uh, we're on this side of the cross looking back at what Christ has done for us, amen. But praise God that God has provided a better thing, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the, His death, burial, and resurrection, that we can have eternal life, amen. And so uh, we see that. Uh, let's look at one more uh, kind of in, tied into this. Go to Luke chapter 1 with me. Luke chapter 1. And when you get to Luke chapter 1, let's look at verses 68 and 69 here. It says in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Now this, I always say, is more specifically to, the, to Israel, uh, to God's uh, chosen people. But praise the Lord, His grace and His mercy has been extended even unto us. Amen. That we've been grafted in as Gentiles. And so, in a way, we can say, praise the Lord, that He's raised up salvation for us as well. Amen. He's, he's given that unto us. And so, we've seen that God has provided a better thing for us. That's the finished work of, of Jesus Christ on the cross, the, the, the plan of salvation. He's um, raised up salvation for us. And now, the next several ones I want us to look at is more specifically looking at what Christ has done for us according to the Scriptures. And again, we could spend all night looking at what God the Father and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. We, 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 we couldn't ever dig deep enough to see all that He's done for us. But we're just looking at those two words tonight. Uh, go with me first uh, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 31. It says, Even here until were ye called, because Christ also, and here it is, suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. If you look at chapter 4 and verse 1, again we see the same phrase. It says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he hath suffered, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The next thing I've seen here as I'm studying this out is that Christ has suffered for us. Amen? And uh, back in, I was telling someone uh, tonight, I can't remember, I think it was Brother Mitchell, or, or Pastor Mitchell, uh, that uh, with my background, I forgot to mention it, I always get nervous, I always forget to say so much more than I should, amen? Uh, but in my testimony, 
Um, I was an x-ray tech for nine years and a trauma 2 OR. That's what I did. And so anyone that wants to hear nice graphic stories, please see me afterwards. Amen. I miss sharing my stories. Uh, but that's what I did for nine years. And just, I love anything medical. Well, back in December, I studied uh, out the physical sufferings of Jesus Christ, digging a little bit deeper in what Christ would have experienced through His sufferings. And I'll tell you, if you take the time to meditate on those things and dig a little bit deeper in those things, we will not ever fully understand all that Christ has suffered for us. Uh, we will never understand the extent that He went just so we could have eternal life. Uh, I'll share uh, just a couple, and I won't go too long because I, I don't want to be a long-winded preacher, and then you all won't take me on for support, amen. But uh, we see just leading up, to the cross of Calvary, we could look at the Garden of Gethsemane where it says he had uh, drops of blood. Uh, there's an actual condition where you're under so much anxiety and pressure that, that can happen where the capillaries burst into the sweat glands and cause bleeding uh, through the sweat glands. And it's ex- it causes excruciating pain and discomfort and fatigue. And I mean, that's just one of the things we could look at. We could look at the scourging going into all that he would have experienced with the lacerations on his back and the bleeding and the bruising and, and the blunt force trauma on the ribs and, the, and the, the back and the back of the arms and neck and the legs, just all those things. And then the piercing of the nails in his hands and feet, very likely severing or piercing the main nerves that go through your hands and feet. And uh, the studies they've done on men with similar experiences from World War I uh, the pain was so agonizing that most men took their lives. And yet our Savior suffered and bled and died out on a cross, went through all that pain, just so you and me could have eternal life. And I'll never understand why. I'm so unworthy. And yet He died for me so I could have eternal life. Amen? And we see that He suffered for us. I'll just read real quickly Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 5. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquitted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Amen. Let's not forget tonight that Christ suffered much just so we could have eternal life just so we could have a home in heaven through His only begotten Son. Amen. And so, let's go to the next thought here. Galatians chapter 3. Uh, if you'll turn there with me. Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 13. Again, we're looking at the, these words for us, studying it out tonight. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Uh, We need to realize that Christ became a curse for us when He hung on the tree. When He hung there on the cross of Calvary and He took on the sins of the whole world, He became a curse for you and I. We need to realize tonight, most of us probably know us, but maybe you're here tonight, that none of us are perfect. God is holy. He's righteous. But we're all sinners. Amen? Uh, we've all failed God. We can look at the Ten Commandments and I can tell you right now from commandment number four that I'm a sinner. I, never, I have the, the memories that my daddy laid upon me that I didn't always obey my mother and my father. Amen? And uh, just we can look at the Ten Commandments and it shows us that we're all sinners. Therefore, we're under the curse of the law. 
The law will never free us. It will never give us eternal life. It's there to show us that we're condemned. But Jesus Christ became the curse of the law. He became cursed for us that we could have eternal life, that we could be set free through His death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? And so we see that He became a curse for us. Deuteronomy 21-23 says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hung is a curse of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance. He hung there on that cross, taking on our sins and becoming a curse, so that way we could be set free. Amen. And that goes right with the next thing we're going to look at. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to look at the very last verse there, verse 21. It says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Again, I already mentioned it. He took on the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, just so that we, we could be free, amen, and we could have eternal life. Uh Again, I want to emphasize this. Hebrews 4.15 says this, In all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then 1 John 3.5 says, And uh, ye know that He was manifest to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. He was sinless. Amen. He was God here with us. He, he was God in the flesh. He was sinless. But when He took on our sins, He became sin for you and I. Think about this. That's why there at the end He says, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Sometimes we feel like we're all alone, that we're all completely by ourselves when we're, when we're down, but we'll never experience the loneliness that our Savior felt. Completely rejected of all mankind and hanging there on the cross, and then as He takes on the sins of you and I, even the Father has to look away as He takes on the punishment for you and I. That's why He cries out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? He became sin for you and I. So that way we could have eternal life. Amen. Not only did He become a curse for us, not only uh, was He made or made a curse for us, became sin for us. Look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 with me. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. In verse 14 of Titus chapter 2, it says, Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Ephesians 5.2 also says, And walk in love as Christ also had loved us, and hath given Himself for us, and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Praise the Lord that He gave Himself freely up for us, nobody made Christ do what He did. I've heard the sermons, who made Christ die, amen? But He freely gave Himself, chose the Father's will, not His, but Thy will be done, He said. He died on the cross for you and I again, so we could have a home in heaven. And then I praise the Lord, at Romans 6.23, we all know it, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only did He freely give Himself up on the cross, but then He freely gives us salvation for whoever will receive it. Amen? I'm so thankful that there's nothing that I must do or, or any 
works or any amount of achievement that I have to reach in order to have eternal life because I'll never make it. Amen. I'm so thankful that He freely gives it to us. But then I think of 1 Corinthians 6.20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We do not forget that we were bought with a very special price. Amen. Jesus left everything, all of His glory, everything in heaven, became the meekest and the humblest of them, of them all. The servant of them all. And then died on an old rugged cross, bled out and died. So we could have home in heaven. So we could have eternal life. We would freely receive what He's done for us. Amen. We need to realize tonight He gave Himself for us. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I just want to announce I'm already halfway. Amen. If anyone's paying attention. Uh, number 8 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you'll look at verse 7 with me again, we're looking at these words this evening for us. Verse 7 says, uh, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Jesus Christ laid down His life, gave up Himself as a sacrifice for us. Amen. I always say I'm so thankful of that we don't have to do what Israel did in the Old Testament, amen, that we would have to bring a spotless lamb or a calf to be slain, to be sacrificed over and over and over again, to have our sins atoned, to have our sins forgiven, but that Jesus Christ once and for all, as the spotless lamb of God, laid down His life, a sacrifice, amen, that we can be forgiven, that we can receive eternal life. And so He lays down His life, a sacrifice, Let's go on to the next one. Romans chapter 5. Go there with me. We all know probably this verse, but let's look at it together. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commended His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, and there's those two words, for us. He died for us. Amen. was buried and rose again. That we could have eternal life. No amount of works that you do will save you. Not being baptized or being baptized will not save you. Being a good person, I, I hear that all the time. I'm a good person. That's good, but that won't save you. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, that we can have our sins forgiven. Realize that He's the only way to heaven, and call upon Him as our only Savior, only way to heaven. Ask Him to forgive us our sins, and cry out to Him that we can have eternal life. Amen. He died for us. I love how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 15. He wrote verses 1-4, through 4, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We need to realize tonight that the whole reason why He died was buried and rose again. was So that way He did that for us so we could have eternal life. Amen. And then go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at a, just a couple here. Hebrews chapter 10.
I want you to look at verse <clears throat> verse 20 with me. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20. It says, By a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. It's a new way because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the old way has been done away where the, the animals would have to be slain, where Israel would have to present that sacrifice. It's a, a new way that Jesus Christ did. And then I love how it says it's a living way, a new and living way because it will never die. It will never have to be replaced or, or renewed, but that it's eternal. Amen? It's forevermore. It's a living way. It says that He, uh, which He hath consecrated... For us, through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. No longer does a priest have to go into the Holy of Holies, but we have direct access through Jesus Christ, through Christ unto the Father. Amen? That's what it means there to say the veil, that is to say, His flesh. It says there He's consecrated for us. Go look, if you're there in chapter 10, look at chapter 9, verse 24. Let's see what it says here. Verse 24 of chapter, Hebrews chapter 9. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ now stands in the presence of the Father on our behalf for us. Amen. That when we come to know Christ our Savior, He stands there to declare who we are, that we're His child. Amen. I think of those days, and listen, maybe you're better than I am, but I have those days where I'm just so defeated, amen? And it seems like when we're down, when we're so discouraged, Satan's right there. And we wrestle with, man, how am I saved? How does God even love me? But then I go back to that day that I've called upon the Lord as my Savior, and I, I picture this verse, that Jesus is there when that old accuser comes by, and he says, There's, he's not worthy. Christ stands up and He testifies, that's my child, amen? That's my son, that's my daughter. That we now have eternal life through Him. He stands in the appearance of the Father for us. Praise the Lord. I think of 1 John 2, 2, I want to read this to you. It says, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then in 1 John 4, 10, it says, Herein is love... Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means that when we didn't know God, when we were lost, the Bible literally says that we were children of the devil, that the wrath of God is upon us. But when we come to know Christ our Savior, when we put our complete trust and faith in Him and Him alone, we now are made favorable before God. We now have the love of God on us through Jesus Christ. Amen? He takes the wrath of God off of us and, and places the love of God on us. He's our propitiator. Praise God that He stands in the presence of God as our propitiator. Amen? I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ stands on my behalf before the Father. Let's, let's see what else. Not only has He done for us, what, what does Christ continually do? Not only is He in the presence of God, the Father for us. But go back to Hebrews chapter 8. We've read it, verse 31. That's what we opened with. But let's look at another verse here in Romans chapter 8. Verse 
My pastor would always say he would love to hear the sound of the people's Bibles turning. And I didn't realize how sweet that was to him until nights like this where you can hear everyone's Bible turning. Amen. It's just a sweet sound. Romans uh, chapter 8. We read verse 31. This time look at verse 34 with me. Paul here says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He stands there beside the Father, making intercession for us. Never before did we have direct access to God. Never before did we have a way to come unto the Father. But now we have direct access through Him, through, or to Him through Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, we can come to Him at any time in prayer and, and commune with Him, have a conversation with Him, tell Him our needs, our, our desires, or what we're going through, and He's there to hear every word. Amen? But the question is, do you talk to Him? Christ made a way. Listen, He's not just like any other God that this world that makes up and creates that there's a disconnect there, but He's our Heavenly Father that we can come to through Jesus Christ. Amen? That we have intercession unto. And He wants to hear from you. But the question is, do you have a relationship with Him? Do You, you could be saved and, and not pray and not have that walk, that commune with God. We need that relationship with Him. Amen? He says He makes intercession for us. Number 13, I'm almost done. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. This will be our last one in the, the New Testament here, and we'll look at just the last two in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. And when you're there, if you'll look at verse 12 with me as I read it. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I'm so thankful that it's eternal redemption. Amen? He entered in once. Listen, Christ died once, and therefore we only have to receive the free gift one time. Amen? If we have to do it more than that, it's works, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one of the things we struggle with in Kenya is, is the charismatic movement over there. It's just reaping havoc in the Eastern African countries. And they, they're taught that they can lose their salvation, that they have to get saved over and over and over again. My Bible says Christ died once, and therefore I must receive it once. Amen? And that's eternal redemption. We're sealed, the Bible says, until the day of redemption. Amen? Until He comes back again for you and I. I'm so thankful that it's eternal. Just some of the things we looked at tonight that Christ has done for us. And now go with me to Psalm 62 and verse 8. Let's look at Psalm 62 and verse 8. <clears throat> Psalm 62 and verse 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Man, that could be a whole sermon right there, amen? Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. God is a refuge for us. 
child of God, we can run to Him at any time, no matter what that storm is in life, no matter what that child is, or that trial is, and He is a refuge to us, or for us. Amen? It kind of reminds me of where we started, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's why I can go to Kenya with confidence, no matter how dark or scary it can be, because if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? If I'm right where God wants me to be, I'm in the safest place I can be, amen, if I'm in the will of God. Real quick, before we look at the last one tonight, we've seen that God has provided a better thing for us, that's Christ and the the cross of Calvary, His death, burial, and resurrection, therefore raising up salvation for us. We've seen that Christ has suffered for us, was made a curse for us, became sin for us, gave Himself, laid down His life a sacrifice for us, died, made a new and living way that's eternal for us, is now at the right hand of God as our propitiator or intercessor, and he's he's obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen. Now with this, let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Pastor, is this water for me? Isaiah chapter 6, let's jump right into verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto uh, unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Pay attention to verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go? And there's those two words. For us. Then said I, here am I, send me. I know missions is mostly focusing on really giving so missionaries can go around the world, but a lot of times I look at missions and I think of so many people that aren't answering the the call, amen? That aren't answering. And, And like Pastor said, I love how you said it earlier tonight, Pastor, that we're all missionaries. That's what I say everywhere we go. I was a missionary before I got the actual title missionary, amen? A missionary is, we have to realize that all of us have a mission field that God has given us. That we're all planted exactly where God wants us to be and that He's placed people in our lives that we must reach for Him. Amen? There's people in your life that, hey, I'm only here for, and Pastor said, till November 15th, but I'm sure there's people that you come across with every day that God allows you to cross paths with that I will never meet. But you have a chance to tell them of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Maybe there's a young person in the room tonight. I look at so many young people in this church, and man, that's an encouragement. So many churches you go to, and there's not young people. I'm the youngest person. And listen, I'm not young anymore, amen? I mean, some of you think I am. Thank you. But I'm not the young guy anymore. But it's great to see so many young people. But you know what I don't see? Is the call to go out into the world and tell people of Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel. We're so caught up in all the things of this world. When when this life is over, the things of this world will come to nothing. What really matters is telling people of Jesus Christ. And listen, we're not going to see everybody saved. That's not what it's about. It's, It's taking the opportunity that God gives us to tell them and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work. Amen? We're just the messenger. I can't make anybody get saved. It's God that has to work on their heart. But that's what matters. When we get to the end of this life and we stand before Christ, the only thing that we're going to be able to bring to Him is souls. Amen? Those that we're able to bring along the way as we went through this life. I've been already haggled a little bit tonight because I'm from Michigan, but I'm a Ohio State fan, alright? So, I pastor's like the only one excited. So I might not get taken on, amen? But that's alright, pastor likes me. Amen? Just kidding, guys, alright. But in all seriousness, we get so fired up about sports. We get so fired up about what team that we, we pledge to and all these things. And we can ho- holler and, and shout and lose our testimony over watching something on the TV. But when someone walks the aisle and cries out to the Lord as their Savior and, and for the first time comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, we're dead. We're not even excited about it anymore. And I'll go to this extent. I hope it's not in this church, but I've seen it in some churches where someone gets saved and you have the, the older people sitting back and they say, we'll see how long it lasts if it's real. That's why they don't come back. Listen, the angels in heaven shout and praise the Lord that a soul has come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and we sit back and say, well, let's see if this is real. God is asking, who will go for us? How can we sit back after everything we've seen tonight that Christ has done for us? All the suffering that He's done, made a curse for us, He became sin for us. All of this, even though we were so unworthy, yet He died for you and I. That we could have eternal life, that we could have a home in heaven and not for all eternity be in torments and hell and the lake of fire for all eternity. How can we see that? And sit back tonight and, and not answer the call when God says, who will go for us? And listen, I'm not saying He's called you halfway around the world to Asia or Africa or, or you name it, South America. But maybe it's reaching your neighbor. Maybe it's reaching your coworker. Maybe it's that loved family member that you know is not saved at all. Pray that God will give you the boldness but also the compassion Because I know it's hard. I I personally know how hard it can be to witness to family. But they still have to hear. Amen? That's my challenge to you tonight. My Bible's closing. As I studied this out, I looked at those two words for us. And I was challenged. Listen, tonight, that God has done all these things for us. And, And that's just looking at those words for us. There's so much more we can see that God has done for you and I. But then God is asking, who will go for us? We, praise the Lord, we do. We need to send money that missionaries can go all around the world. Amen. 
But we also need to ourselves be going to however the Lord gives us the opportunity to go to. Amen. Let's ask the Lord tonight as we go throughout this week, Lord, help me to have eyes open to see who I can tell about you. You've done all these things for me. How can I not tell someone else what you've done for them? Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I just thank you again for the opportunity tonight. Lord, I want to take the time to say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, we're so unworthy. And I'll never fully understand it, but Lord, you chose to die on an old rugged cross, be buried and rise again three days later to pay for my sin debt. That all I have to do is trust in you as the only way to heaven, ask you to forgive me of my sins, trust in you, Lord, and that you would freely give us eternal life, Lord. Father, I thank you that I can call you my father and that you are, or that you call me your child, your own. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room can cling to that same promise. And Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight that can. I pray, Lord, that tonight would be the day that they come to know you as their personal Savior. Lord, help them to not leave this place until it's settled. And then, Lord, for all of us that are saved, I think of what you said to Isaiah, who will go for us. Lord, help us to have open eyes, to see the souls around us, Lord, not the things of this world, but the people of this world that need you. And Lord, when you present opportunity, help us to not let it pass by. But Lord, give us that same compassion that you had when you looked upon the multitudes. Lord, that we would tell that next person, what it is that you've done for them, that they too can know you as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray now that you'd be in the invitation time to come. Would you have your will be done? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ted's bowed and I still closed. Let me ask a couple of questions. It is amazing what the Lord has done for us as we saw tonight. How he has suffered for us. He has died for us. Amazingly enough, He became sin for us. He is our refuge. A refuge for us. The first one of, of if God is for us, which He is, who can be against us? Then, of course, a great one to finish with in the missions conference. Who will go for us? And and just to think the implications of what that means and what was taking place. So tonight, as we begin our missions conference with a heart for the harvest, I would ask you to turn your heart towards that harvest. We have a responsibility of our Jerusalem, which is right here in Anchorage. A responsibility. We have in our Samaria, our, our, our region, our state in Alaska. To try and get the gospel out. I'm thankful for our church as a heart for that. We have from Brother Penix and Brother Ross, Brother Severs is coming down. I'm, I'm glad we support that. Could you imagine growing up in Glen Allen? Think about that.
Do we have a heart for the harvest? What about that neighbor, that co-worker, and he's saying that the Lord put someone in your heart? Maybe the heart so... Uh, what's the word? Maybe busy or... That the Lord can't put anybody in your heart. Too many other things occupy it. We have responsibility with it here and around the world. So if the Lord works in your heart, we want you to give our opportunity to come and pray. If there's anyone here, I don't think we have any visitors here tonight. I don't. But if you're here right now, say, Pastor, listen, it's been bothering me, this thing of my salvation. And I do need you to pray for me. I am not certain about my salvation. I don't know if I've generally repented and placed my faith in Christ. It's been bothering me and I need you to pray for me. You're just not certain. Would you just raise your hand let me see if I can pray for you? Just a couple of small children is all I'm seeing. If you put your hand up, I did not see it. All right. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's turn to page number 507. If you need to come and pray this evening, why don't you come and pray?